Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, June 23rd. 5th. June 25th. Yeah. This is episode 196. Mm-hmm. I am right on that one. There you we are. go. You see? I, I'm, I'm Tony. You are. I'm Dennis. What's going on, Tony? We got we got so much stuff to cover. There's 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 so much going on. I don't know if that's going to take all that much time, but th- we got a number of items. We have a couple emails yeah. related to video games that we're going to address. We've got a few pinball discussions. It's a little light on pinball news, but I'll tell you what, this last week in particular has been flush with pinball rumor, and we're not going to dive into all of that because as we know, there is only one pinnacle of rumors, and that is Rumor Corner. It is right 100% of the time, even when it is not right. It's science. But what have you been doing in terms of the last couple of weeks, besides keeping up with the Ukraine-Russia war and all the fascinating things that have been yeah. happening in the last 48 hours in particular? Yeah, no, that that, that that ate a lot of my last 48 hours. We, we almost started the Eclectic Geopolitical podcast one of these days, one of these days, we need to do one of our actual eclectic other random like the, some of the stuff we really dive into. Yeah, yeah, probably someday, probably. Uh, but no, uh, I did go ahead and spend the money, and I picked up. <gasps> oh no, Blizzard has your money. Again. Diablo fours, mm. and started doing some Diablo fours. Okay, it's good. It's really good. I enjoyed All it. Right. I've been enjoying it. Uh, I'm not horribly far into it i'm a little ways into act two i would be a lot farther into it but i've basically completed like act one and a ton of subquests three times now because i keep changing class it's like oh, let, let oh, me okay. let me see what this one's well, like you let need to find one that you're like. comfortable with so because uh, i started with the the classic uh necromancer corpse explosion type mm-hmm. uh which was it was fun enough. I, I I was doing pretty good with that one, uh, but I was having some issues with like bosses. Okay, uh, because I needed to change my build, but I wasn't going to go online and look at builds. I was just kind of playing it by ear, and I kept making adjustments. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try another class. So I tried Rogue for a while, uh, and it was all right. And then I tried Sorcerer, and I was just annihilating everything with Sorcerer. Mm. Uh, to the point where I finally actually did go online to look up builds. Like, did I just like chance upon in my first build try with the sorcerer? Just a really, yeah, no, I, I, I chanced like it, it, it was not the most efficient. It wasn't the perfect, but I was about 75% of what is considered like the one of the best leveling builds for sorcerer, just out of me choosing stuff by reading tooltips and guessing and then testing. Right. So it was, it was, I could have done it more efficient, but it was a lot of fun. It's been a, a, I ate most of all of last weekend uh, and most of this upcoming there are most of the week with that uh, up until uh, what Friday night, Friday and Saturday. I spent time back finishing the battle tech game. I was in the middle of uh, when I started playing Diablo. I was like, I should go finish that game before I forget what my plans were. So, And then last weekend you played in a pinball tournament. I was too tired to go. I Yeah. I went to a pin golf tournament. You know how long it has been since I played in a pin golf tournament? No. I can't remember the last time I played in one. It was I remember it was at four oh three and it was years and years ago. Yeah, it's been years since I played in a pin golf tournament. And uh I got I did I did good. Uh, there were two brackets. Uh, there was our qualifying, then there was an A division and a B division. I got second place in B division. Um, 
but the, some of the some of the stuff was suitably evil on the pin golf goals. Some of them it wasn't that bad. Ghostbusters collect twenty ghosts. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, Willy Wonka score four hundred fifty thousand points. Okay, not that bad. Yeah. A Jungle Queen scored 35,000 points. Uh, that can be tough because that's a very houseball-oriented game. <laughs> very much so. It, I, I went from getting on Jungle Queen, I went from, uh, I played it multiple times and like, I got it in like two balls once and then I got it in six once because mm. <laughs> everything was on five ball. Uh, uh, and the same, but we had uh, Party Zone was there. And it was light happy hour multiball, which is that upper right side orbit thing beside the oh, comic book. Okay, I don't usually shoot that part. Nobody usually shoots that. A game was so rough on like everybody. Everybody was having problems with that one because just nobody ever shoots for that. I I, I took six the first time I played it, and then uh, it worked out because I apparently got it dialed in while I was taking while I was trying at it uh because I got it first ball the next time I got, I played it so uh that went really well for me uh the only reason I would have I was 1 point behind the guy in first place uh, and that was solely because of uh it took me two balls to get 20 ghosts because I had a house ball ball one of ghostbusters he got it ball one. I got a ball two. So you have a trophy. So I have a trophy. Yay. Yay, trophy. Mm-hmm. Where'd you put it? It is sitting up on a shelf with a bunch of- With all your others. All, yeah, with all of my other items. Mm-hmm. With your Funkos? My Funkos, yeah. They're okay. my Funkos. <laughs> and my Lego motorcycle. Oh, Lego so, cycle. So what have you been up to? Not a lot. Uh, I have been continuing my Puzzle Quest 3 playthrough. That's mostly been the video game. I still have been going into Gems of War, and but mostly just you know doing some dailies and stuff. So chipping away at the story mode in Puzzle Quest. I, I am now in Chapter 6. Uh, I finished up 5 last night. I'm not quite sure how many chapters there are, but they, they're adding more stories. So like there's another patch drop, which I started initially, and then I saw, oh, wait, it's got characters I don't know yet, like NPCs. And... It was really close to my gear level, so I'm like, okay, that's going to get way too hard too soon. I need to get through the first thing first so that I can uh, actually uh, probably have the equipment necessary to survive the fights. So that's what I've been mostly doing. And uh, we don't have any new Patreon members uh, to report. So let's go ahead and move into our topics, Tony. And you already gave us some nice lead-in with uh, talking about Ghostbusters and pinball, and that's actually what I want to start with. The rumor, this is from Nap Arcade is where I read it. He has an article about this rumor involving Stern Pinball possibly considering doing a Ghostbusters vault. And I have a link to that article in the show notes if you want to read up about the rumor. Uh, This is interesting. I actually almost rumor cornered this. And the reason is I, separate from Jason Knapp of Knapp Arcade, I have heard very similar to what he reported. And so I thought, oh, this would be a pretty good Rumor Corner rumor, but it's out there publicly. So we're going to talk about it outside of Rumor Corner. And I've got a pretty good rumor that we're going to get into in a little bit that I think people are really going to be interested in. But uh, 
this, I, you know, I like the Ghostbusters game. I, I've always thought it was really well done immersively. I love the callouts. Uh, you know, it's got a fun light show. Uh, I think when Dwight Sutherland went back and uh, adjusted the rules a few years ago, made it a, a lot better playing game. He helped fix some of the issues with the layout. Like the house balls are pretty common on the game, right. and there's a lot more forgiving ball saves, especially at the start, uh, to help oh, mitigate that. Is, that. The, the ball saves have gotten, yes, very much so. So anyway, the rumor obviously is that Stern has uh, has or is looking at producing Ghostbusters Vault. This actually come up a little bit on the other pinball podcast I do, the pinball show with uh, Zach Minnie, in the sense that he covers a lot of the production schedule that Stern has that they share with the distributors. Mm -hmm. And there's a hole right now around December. Now, Stern had been, as of the last we had heard, only planning to do two cornerstones this year. And the second cornerstone... They have a block open up here in, I believe, it's either August or September for that. And then most of the assumptions are that will be Venom finally. But there's a bit of a a lightness to the December schedule. Like they, I think they've said they're going to do a, a light run of Foo Fighters premiums and Godzilla premiums because there's still a lot of demand for those games. But otherwise, they haven't really committed to anything. Well, if they're not doing a new Cornerstone. The most likely guesses would either be something like a boutique thing, like a Kapow title, or a vault, which they haven't done. I think the last vault they did was probably Iron Man vault a few years ago. So uh, the reason why Ghostbusters is sort of interesting is it is a DMD game. However, it's not a Sam game. It's actually Spike 1. So, And I note that because they're on Spike 2 now for the LCDs, but... It might be easier for them to source the parts to do a Spike game, even a Spike 1 game, versus Sam at this point. Like, I don't know if they still have stockpiles of Sam's stuff. There was another production item that Zach did on an update, uh, noting that uh, it sounds like Stern is discontinuing making the Sam system shaker motors. So now there are other sources for shaker motors if you want a shaker motor, but the OEM shaker motor. So... They might be like, we're not going to go back and do Sam anymore, uh, which is always what what all the volts have been are Sam games. But maybe they're like, we can still get the chips to put the boards together for Spike One. I don't know. I've heard mixed messages on this because I've also heard reports that Stern can't easily get all the stuff for Spike Spike One at this point. Anyway, I also don't know whether or not uh, there's much modification that would be needed to boards to make Spike Two run a Spike One game. I don't know. But I think the, that'd be the big question. But is- the architecture would be pretty similar. Um, here's the, uh, here's another aspect, uh, to it because we know the game's done very well. Like it's used pricing looks really good. Uh, one of the aspects is the layout. So, and the, and I'd say the second big aspect is the designer. So for those of you newer to pinball, and I'm going to note this because for whatever reason, there are a ton of pinball (laughs) entities, I'll say podcasts that absolutely refuse his name, John Trudeau, as if not saying his name somehow erases him from pinball history which is not how history works. Right. So John Trudeau is the designer of Ghostbusters. He was a designer with a number of pinball manufacturers, and he was incarcerated for, uh, I be- I can't remember what his ultimate charges were. If it was, I think it was sexual harassment of a minor. Like I think that's yeah. what, I think that's what it and, is. But I think there yeah. were also some child pornography aspects to yeah. it as well. Uh, so I'm going to note all this as alleged because I don't remember the specific things that he was, but he was convicted or he pled guilty. It was, like he's been doing jail time. Right. I think he's. I think he's out now. I thought so. But uh, anyway, so just FYI, that's why people get uncomfortable saying his name because obviously 
uh, when you have fairly heinous uh, crimes that you have been convicted of, makes people uncomfortable. So some of the thought has been Stern may, be, may have been reluctant to rerun Ghostbusters despite its popularity because Trudeau's name is tied to it. Now, there's been some speculation on whether or not they would have to pay Trudeau if they were to do the run. My guess, and it's a guess, is no. And that is because I don't think the way Stern does, because these people work for them. Like they, They've done contract gigs as well in the past. Like Lawler and, and Steve Ritchie used to not work for Stern and actually do designs on contract. But as an employee, which Trudeau was, I would assume they own the design rights. Now, I have been told that Stern, at least, does have a uh, like a milestone thing that they do with designers. So like if Godzilla hits a certain number of sales, there's like a bonus. And right, so, but it's not like royalty. Right, right. It's right, not right. like, oh, my episode got that's rerun. My, that's my sense. Yeah. So my, my assumption is, based off of a certain probably finite defined time period, if certain sales milestones are met, there are, there are bonuses that are provided. This being a vault, I would assume it's past all of that. So there's probably not an issue of... Because the thought, this, again, this is part of the rumor. The thought process is that Stern would be very embarrassed if it leaked out that they were sending money to Trudeau. And so that might as be they reason, should be. As, and so that would be reason alone not to rerun the design. However, there's also the thought that's explored in Knapp's article about fixing one of the biggest complaints about got, got, uh, Ghostbusters, which, as you probably recall from playing it last week, is the flipper gap. A lot of people hate that flipper gap because it's very house ball. It's more of a space between it used to be called the Trudeau gap because he had a lot of games like that. I had heard that they Stern had claimed that that gap wasn't supposed to be there on this game. They missed it in their reviews because they don't put them on location anymore and until the games are done and that it just was like an error and that Trudeau had never meant for there to be that sort of gap. I've also heard that the gap is necessary because otherwise some of the geometry on the game doesn't work right. I don't know if any of that's true or not. Again, this is all speculation. But the thought would be, what if Stern modified the layout, something they've never done, like they've fixed things on vaults before, like when they vaulted Star Trek, for example, there's a screw in the back near the pop bumpers where if you've ever played on my game, sometimes when it feeds out of the pops, the ball gets stuck and you have to shake the game. They've like changed the screw back there. So on the vault versions, that doesn't happen. But that's not a change in the geometry. That's a basically that's a fix. The thought is, what if someone like their chief designer George Gomez were to close the flipper gap? Then they can say, well, this game's been redesigned, not even have Trudeau's name attached to it anymore, and move forward from there. So, I mean, what do you think of the what do you think of the rumor? Do you like? Let me ask it this way: Do you think that Stern should? vault ghostbusters like commercially do you think that makes I sense i think of all of their older games that i can think of that are also after iron man it was the one that makes the most sense the vault yeah i i think it would be a smart game to vault like it's very I mean, there's new movies coming out that have been fairly popular and that's a good point that's something i had been forgetting about is uh and i think there's more stuff coming out with yes. the ghostbusters world yeah because that new movie came out last year i haven't seen it i haven't seen it either but i heard I, i've heard it reviewed pretty well and there's supposed to be a sequel to it coming soon i don't know when uh, i just recall reading it online at some point recently so that would that means it's still kind of in the public uh, 
mind. So, so that would give it another reason to put that in there. The question is, like you brought up, can that gap be closed, which it should be closed in a way that doesn't mess up the geometry? Uh, do you close it with a center post? Do you close it by bringing everything, by just adjusting and bringing things in a little bit? Do you go to like, I don't know, what, six inch flippers? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, the safe answer to solve the geometry aspect would be just to make the flippers longer. Right. Because then you could still have everything at the back and it's just a, a longer tip. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think Stern's going to be in the mood to invent a longer flipper to install in the game. So probably not that. Um, I hadn't thought about the center post as just a simple strategy. And that's interesting. That's going to come up here in a little bit. Yeah, I think a center post would be a good solid way to not change any geometry as long as you put uh, put a real bouncy. Mm. Yeah, like Kirk post style. Yeah, Mm. it it would go a long way. Turning people might like that too because they could always pull the rubber off the post and it'd still be there. You can still bounce off a metal post. Right, it's It's just a lot harder. Yeah, that's kind of how they nerf super orbit and tournaments and stuff and high level tournaments. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I agree with you. Commercially, aside from Trudeau's name being attached to the design, there's no reason not to revisit this game. This, I mean, it's big enough. It, that 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 gap is wide enough. You could probably just put a pop bumper right there yeah. in between them. <laughs> uh, that takes the BOM too high. They don't spend that much money. <laughs> That'd only be on the premium version. Um, yeah. Now, do you think they will actually vault it? So we talked about via like the logic of it, but do you think they actually do? Like, do you think they're going to do that? I in don't. Dece- in December? I don't really think they will. Just because. I feel like they've moved away from the vault and I feel like cutting down their cornerstones so much uh, to, and then leaving an opening and doing a vault feels a little weird. I feel like it's more likely a spot that's probably setting aside for like a Kapow title. Okay. I agree. I don't think they vault Ghostbusters in December. I agree. I don't think they vault at all. However, I don't think it's a Kapow title either. I think Stern just isn't quite sure yet, like what's going to still be the most backlogged. And I think December gets filled in probably with Godzilla's and Foos, and they actually just up the run oh, because they're still trying to catch up. That does make sense. That's my guess. I mean, if I was going to go by, if I was going to sit down right now and drop the money on, say, three pinball machines, Godzilla and Foo would be two of the three. Mm-hmm. So, and I also like some of the steps they're doing, we'd already uh, heard about, and I believe discussed on the show, how uh, Rush is essentially discontinued at this point. It's all but on paper. Uh, like it's not got any runs planned even right. into 2024. Uh, so they'll probably just, uh, the, the license isn't expired, but they're probably just going to allow it to expire. Also, uh, given some of the accessories and stuff that they've been doing or, or announcing final runs on and stuff. Uh, I'm getting the impression, and this isn't surprising, these have been out a while, that Stern's probably also looking to drop a few more games out of production. Uh, And if I were to guess, it would be at this stage, Iron Maiden, probably getting close to the end of running that because it's been out for, I mean, it's Owen's first game. It's been out forever. And, And Deadpool. Think yeah. they're getting ready to finally stop making Deadpools. Again, very su- very successful games, but they've been making them for years. And how many different parts do you want to keep stocking and trying to manage, especially when you have large backlogs of Foo Fighters and, quite frankly, Godzilla still? I mean, 
It's a no. lot. It's a lot to uh, let languish in order for you to pump out another game. Or in the case of a vault in particular, pump out a game that already had its shot. And how many DMD era games do you expect to sell at the same price as the LCDs? Because they never give a discount on the vaults. They're always as much as the right. regular. And games. here's the thing. Well, I think of that era zone, Ghostbusters is the most senses of vault. Personally. I'll say it as it's always been said, and they'll never get it back. Lord of the Rings is the game everybody really wants vaulted. Yes. And and honestly, I would like, probably rethemed, because it would make sense, I would love to see some new runs of World Poker Tour. Mm. Yeah, I don't don't know if there's enough. I don't think they'll ever. Oh, re- th- no, I don't think they'll won't. ever reuse that layout. But they won't. I just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I uh, understand. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, yeah. If I were to say, if I were to look at Stern's back catalog of everything they've done since becoming Stern Pinball as a standalone from Sega, and say what would I vault? Yes, I would definitely say Lord of the Rings is the right answer. However, they've never vaulted a White Star. Like they did a gold edition of of Lord of the Rings, but like since the vault thing, they've never gone back. I don't know how readily available they could even get White Star boards put together. So given that, they would have to move it to a new board set, and that I think all of a sudden moves it into being a lot more work. Right. They've never the most like intricate vaulting that they've ever done was Spider Man comic, where they changed the art and they changed the dots, and they did, I don't I just don't think they're going to do that with vaults because it's a lot of work. You might as well just put out a new game that'll probably sell better. And if we were to go back and vault a Sam game, I would say you should vault Tron. That's the one that's got the most demand. A lot of people want that one. And it would be far more practical if they still have the ability to get the stuff to do Sam stuff because they've always shown a willingness to vault Sam. And that was a... That was a game where a lot of people, you know, like if you made a premium version so people could have Daft Punk multiball and stuff, uh, that would probably resonate. Uh, In fact, I think they're... I think it's safe to say there are a lot fewer Trons out there than there are Lord of the Rings. If you want a Lord of the Rings, it's not actually hard to find one. Uh, people just don't want to be paying like $7,000 for it. Right. But at this point, if they were to vault it, especially if they had to move it to a new board set, it's going to be at the new modern pricing. So I don't think you're really going to save anything. Uh, people just remember that that game used to be sold for under 4000 and it pisses them off that they can't have it for that. And I, I agree because it's one of my most favorite favorite themes, and I do enjoy the layout. It's a long player, but I do enjoy the layout mm-hmm. of that game. But at the rates that they go for, I don't ever look. So, but that's just how it is. That's just how pinball is. Uh, you mentioned center post as a solution to Ghostbusters, so that is an excellent segue to home pin. So also Nap Arcade, uh, and I also have a link to this in our show notes. Had a, a article on home pin. Uh, regarding that Spinal Tap game. Now, you and I, we have not played Spinal Tap. We have not, we have not seen it. We know there's one, at least one in the U.S. at the Pinball uh, Hall of Fame in Vegas, but we haven't been there to play it. Road trip. Yeah, we could road trip it, but we're not. Okay, that'd be. That, we need more Patreon I mean, members to do that road trip. That would be a heck of a. Road, that would we, be a. Fun our Patreon's road only trip. contracted a little bit over time, guys. I, the, it's a dollar a month. Where, where's the love? Where's the financial love? Feel no obligation. But the so home pin, they put this game Spinal Tap on location at a pub uh, overseas. And based off the feedback at that one bar that Spinal Tap was in, 
Mike, the owner of HomePin, has decided that Spinal Tap needs a center post between the flippers, and that is going to be added to all the production games. And I note production games because I, I want to clarify something that I was not clear on until I heard an interview with Mike from HomePin. All of the Spinal Taps out right now are considered prototypes. So Really? Yes. Yeah, I was a little surprised at that, but... But that that is not what I expected. So just as an FYI. So so anyway, I, I don't think this is particularly I don't think this is particularly relevant to spend a lot of time on in the sense that I don't think very many of our listeners are honestly going to buy a spinal tap uh, pinball machine uh, because it's it's pretty pricey and initial reports on the gameplay have not been very good. But I just thought it was fascinating that they decided based off of one test location that they wanted a center post. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know because so few companies do test locations anymore, but I just thought it was really like, I don't know. I wonder if it's one of those things where spurious or something. I wonder if it's one of those things where they didn't have a feel like it needed something like that. And then feedback from the location just confirmed their own feelings on the issue. Well, I kind of get it from some of other, and we'll get into that next, but some of Mike's other statements that, okay, a bar location where people aren't any good at playing pinball tell you that the game's too hard. What's the easiest thing you could do on a redesign that doesn't take like any intellectual thought whatsoever? Well, it's to drill a center post in, right? You don't have to change any geometry. You just drill a post and it's not going to interfere with anything under the play field, most likely, because it's going to be like a tiny little Kirk post or whatever. Right. So it's like the simplest of, of fixes. It's a cheap part. It's easy to install. Doesn't have to make you rethink anything else about the layout. So I've just guessed that the ball times aren't as long as what he he was hoping for. Like the game's too hard for drunks. Right. Which is his target audience, which is what I'm going to get into next. Now, let me let me let me float another idea. Yes, float these ideas like they're boats. Center pop. <laughs> <laughs> center, center pop. Just I, just it by the I would respect it, but but um, I so don't. Twenty five hour drive to, to the, Vegas. To to Vegas. Mm, that means it's over a day. That's long. That's a long drive. Uh. Separate issue, but related to HomePin, uh, there is an interview that was on the Aussie Pinball podcast, and I love this interview. It's fascinating. Um, I'll go ahead and include a link in the show notes to it. Uh, so Dr. John, host of the Aussie Pinball podcast, you and I have interacted with Dr. We John have. before. Wonderful gentleman. He interviewed Mike from HomePin. And this is where it gets tough with me doing two different podcasts that talk about pinball because I've already talked, I feel, a, an excessive amount about the interview. And I don't want to go on more in the sense that I feel like it, I, it becomes ad nauseum for anyone that listens to both shows, though obviously there is a degree of listenership that does not overlap, that that doesn't like the pinball show that might listen to this one. Um it's definitely worth hearing the Aussie Pinball podcast, even if you don't think very much about home pin, uh, just because listening to the thought processes is fascinating. But there are just so many elements, and I'll just I'll just hit on them really quick. But uh, so Mike from Home Pin, uh, you know, I think the thing that'll stand out to anyone who listens, especially any American who listens, is uh, you, it will become really clear early on because he doesn't really mask it well, but uh, he won't say USA. He won't refer to the United States. He refuses to name us as a country. Uh, 
So he'll constantly talk about the country that shall not be named. So Oh, he talks about it in that way? Yes. Like wow. like like the USA is Trudeau. That is weird. I mean, that's where okay. It's it's oh, uh, a, a, it's it's childish is what it is. A rapid correction. It's twenty hours. Twenty. Okay. Well, that's reasonable. that's a lot better. That's reason. It is. It's five hours less. I mean, that, that that that's way less. That's what happens when I have avoid mm. tolls, avoid highways oh. on because I was planning a trip with. Mm. Uh, uh, that I didn't want to spend time on interstates. Oh, okay. I was like, it was so it was all too late. Oh, okay. Yikes. Um, so the, so yes, yeah, so there was that aspect. Uh, and one of the things, and this relates to the center post and my, my drunk comment was, and Mike's talked a little bit about this in other places before about, uh, Thunderbirds, but the main thing here was he emphasized like he is trying to sell pinball to a new market. He wants to make pinball machines that people will buy who are not into pinball, but basically want a game in their game room, like one game, one pinball game, and they're buying it based solely off of theme. So he stated that his long-term goal was to make games ideally under the $5,000 US price point so that there's a cost reason to you know want to go with home pin. And he stated that his games are not for tournament pinball players. He'd said that before, but they're not for tournament pinball players. They're also not for people who like pinball. No, it's it's weird. And you need to hear him like I'm not I don't think I'm misdescribing it. I can't say that I'm giving you an exact quote, but yeah, he he went into a I'd say a rant, but the whole interview is basically a rant uh about how he's really like he's an engineer type. He's really technically minded. And so he designs games from that standpoint. And so he doesn't make competitively balanced rules for tournament players, but also the way the games are set up, they're not designed for Fun? people. Yes. They're not designed for people who enjoy pinball to play. I It doesn't, it makes like, it doesn't make any business sense to me. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very much worth listening to the interview. It's, he's just as like, I'm just not, I'm just not into that. It's like, this is what I want out of a pinball machine. And so that's what we're going to sell because I'm the big shot owner and it's my money. So what say do any of you have in terms of how terrible my games are, which is a way in a way fair. That is definitely a way to, I mean, I am perfectly Uh, acceptable with if you, if you want something a certain way and you're, 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 you want to make it yourself to have what you want exactly how you want. But yet at the same time, you can't get angry when you make it and sell it and can't sell it or it gets bad reviews. If the whole thing is, well, no, I knew people wouldn't like this, but I think this well, is the correct way to do it. Yeah. It's just, and it came up in so many different levels. That's why it's such a good interview. It came up in so many different levels. I mean, one of the things though that, that I thought that Zach many asked me on, uh, on the last TPS episode, which was an excellent thing I hadn't thought about when I heard the interview was, if this is his goal, why is he doing different designs? Why doesn't he just retheme the same layout over and over? Because he doesn't expect any audience overlap. He's trying to sell one game to someone who doesn't own any pinball machines that like they want Thunderbirds or they want Spinal Tap. They don't know any better whether the game is good or not, and they don't care. They just want the theme. So why not use the same layout over and over? I don't I like why is he spending any time doing design at all? Because he doesn't care at all about fun and he doesn't care at all all about balance. Um it was just weird. The uh he 
Also, he does have another license. It's a movie license. Uh, he didn't say what it is. He does plan to go to Chicago in the country that shall not be named for Expo, not this year, but next year, 2024 Expo, uh, to do the unveiling is the plan. The only things he really indicated about it was the license to the movie was complicated, like there were a half dozen different owners that control it or something. And so, but it's okay. There's not going to be any assets anyway. It's going to be more of a throwback solid state style. So I guess think Pulp Fiction. Like he's not going to, because he did DMD for Thunderbirds. Right. And then for Spinal Tap, for those that don't know, Spinal Tap has a DMD. The DMD is the functional aspect. There is an LCD in it. But from all reports I've heard, all it does is randomly play clips from Spinal Tap. It does not, it's not, they're not integrated in any way. It's just like playing the DVD. I, and the new one will have mechanical reels. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and the other thing about it, that the last thing I'll whine about, because again, I've already whined about this on the other show, but is I was... I, th- I hate using the word fascinated again, but that's what I'm, I'll go with. I'm, I'm, I was absolutely fascinated. He takes virtually no responsibility for anything. As you noted about like people don't understand, people are complaining, they don't understand what the, who this game is for. His whole mantra, in the interview at least, was everything is someone else's fault. Everyone else is the failure. Everyone else has made the mistakes. Yes, he was super delayed on getting... Uh, Thunderbirds out, but that wasn't his fault. That was the Chinese government's fault. That was COVID's fault. That was having to reinvent every part from scratch again because of China's rules fault. Whose fault was it to choose to locate a business in the People's Republic of China? But they're a republic. They'd say it right there in the name. Well, and it's for the no, people. It's been so bad. So he's moved to Taiwan now, which is why now he's delayed again because he's had to spool everything up in Taiwan because Taiwan's such a better place. And I'm like, okay, but these were your decisions. You you're the adult you made these decisions but it's all everyone else has like forced it everyone else forced his hand on it uh the 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 spelling international rescue on thunderbirds you one of the most joked yes. about things he brought that was brought up he went into that one again so fascinating so i'll tell the story real quick but again hear the interview it's much it's much better to hear it from mike's mouth just to hear hear like the scorn in his voice uh at people being upset with what he did because he's like well what happened was early in the design process they put light i guess they're i don't know the game well i guess there are lights in the back that like light up for our spell international rescue that was in the early design concept from he doesn't remember who came up with the idea i'm assuming thus not him they were almost done with the game and then realized those lights don't do anything so he decided, okay, let's have one letter get spelled out each time you shoot the center ramp because the center ramp is a really easy shot to make. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was the logic of it. So he then lectures, lectures to Dr. John about how this was the, this is Kobayashi Maru, Tony. This is the no-win scenario. These are the burdens that Captain Kirk had to, to, had to circumvent, but, but he could not. He, he played the Kobayashi the proper, he didn't use the Kobayashi analogy. I'm using it here because we're nerding out. Because he's like, I was in a no-win scenario. If I didn't have the lights do anything, everyone was going to criticize me how I had lights in the game that didn't actually do anything at all. And so I decided I would go ahead and have the lights do something, knowing, I went in fully knowing that everyone was going to complain about how many shots it would take to spell International Rescue. Now I'm sitting here with my headphones on, and I'm like, why didn't you just take the lights out? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. 
All, no. I, all I know is that it's my fault and everyone else's fault that people complained. It's Pensai's fault. Yeah, it's a, don't get me wrong. Some of the stuff he brought up was fair, like like um, people piling onto Thunderbirds who didn't play it. And I still haven't played it, which is why I don't give a review of Thunderbirds. I don't have any impressions of Thunderbirds, other than I laughed at the part when they had the plastic ramp and someone poked the <laughs> finger and, and you it could tell it was made out of the same material as that water bottle you have on the table. <laughs> um, that That sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, I mean, the the closest thing he took responsibility for is the uh, flippers on Spinal Tap. People complained about uh, not being able to make the ramps, and he acknowledged that the end of stroke distance of the flippers were not as, as didn't have as large of a degree of movement as the Williams mechs, which they kind of modeled them on, did. Right. And they have gone back and redesigned them, and like moving forward, the mechs are going to have the same uh, range of motion that the Williams mechs did. But I have to say that he only quasi accepted responsibility because he did also say, even though they went ahead and did this quote unquote fix, he did say, I don't think there was a problem. I think that they worked fine, but people complained about Get it. Good. So, so Get we, good, son. So we, Get well, good. No, they went ahead and fixed it for people, but he thinks they were wrong to come, that they were wrong that they couldn't make the ramps as they were. So his design was good, but yes, it wasn't a one to one Williams experience. So he went ahead and coddled them. And made the adjustment. Get good, son. The the last piece. Why I Why can't you backhand that ramp? The ba- last piece I want to point out uh, because I thought it was fun too was uh, his discussion about the inability to update the code on Thunderbirds and and Spinal Tap allows it. So you might not remember because <laughs> you didn't own one. No. So who cared? But on Thunderbirds, there is no like spot to stick a USB stick in to to flash update code. Don't now, have to update production, right, son. Right, and that's what he said. You don't, the code is complete when the game ships. You don't ever need to update code because everyone was like, um, ever since like Sam system with Stern, you've been able to flash updates with USB sticks before that. And I have this equipment cause I, you know, have older games. You'd have to get out an EEPROM burning tool and you'd have to burn the chip yourself. Right. Which most people are really uncomfortable doing because <laughs> you have to get the chips and it's all, you know, you got to line up the light. It's all this. The USB just made it easier for doing code updates. So everyone's sort of used to being able to do a code update now. And he's like, no, you don't need to do a code update. This is going to be at 1.0 when it comes out. It's not going to like, if there was something catastrophically wrong, we would mail you new chips. And you just put wow. them in the chip. Yeah, like the old days, like what they did with operators, like Gottlieb and, and yeah. Williams did. So, okay. Um, but, so Thunderbirds does allow code updates. So they've, they've got that solved. However, not the way you would think. So there is a USB port. However, you cannot take a flash stick and stick it in after you format it in whatever, like FAT32 or whatever format it wants with the code uh, on it. And, you know, it update. You have to... Basically, take a computer like a laptop, and like take a ribbon cable, USB cable that will connect the laptop to the port, and then there is special software package that you have to run, and that software code little app is designed to flash the update. So you need a computer, you need the cable, and you need the software on the computer to do the update, and and you have to be suspended off the ground, a la and, Mission Impossible. Oh my god. And he was explaining this to Dr. John in the interview. And he's like, well, here's the thing. I hired, I kept bringing in these these USB experts, you know, USB ports that have existed since 1996. So I had to bring in these USB experts and none of them were experts and they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't figure out how to do code flash updates. And he finally found someone 
who he like paid with loose meat sandwiches or something. Some like he like bought bought him with food, and that person figured it out. And by figured it out, I mean required you to have a laptop, a cable, and uh, and wrote a special program to do the updating. Again, it's all everyone else's fault that this didn't work. And somehow <laughs> all the other manufacturers figured it out, but he couldn't figure it out. Except he kind of figured it out in the most clunky, cumbersome, low-rent, amateur way possible. These are Dennis's opinions. I don't necessarily speak for the Eclectic Gamers podcast because I'm only half of the podcast. Just, I mean, he does seem to know a lot about engineering and stuff. I don't want to make it sound like he's like not competent, but his business decisions make little sense to me. There's far more. There's like, he goes into a whole rant about how motherboards are evil and all this other stuff. That's just fascinating. I don't want to cover it here. Just because you're good at one thing does not mean you're good at that. That's very true. That's very true. Um, and I, I think his, some of his strategy makes sense to me. Like if he could get his games under 5,000 us so that it's under a stern at this point, significantly under a stern pro, it being like a garbage game might still be able to move units, but he's also not trying to get pinheads to buy his stuff. But he's still doing different designs, but he's trying just to sell things off of license. I just like I don't know why he's making pinball machines. He's got a very like my understanding is a fairly successful uh company that in terms of like they do a lot of circuit boards and stuff. Like that side of it sounds like it's doing well. I don't know why he just doesn't make replacement parts. I don't know if this is vanity or what, but it's weird. To me, it's weird. It's a hobby. That's an expensive hobby. But I collect pinball machines and watches, so what do I know? <laughs> I know all about expensive hobbies. We only have one more thing, Tony. Is it time? It is time. To climb the mountain? Not not a mountain, a corner. What climb sort of corner? What sort of corner do you think? I think it's a corner of rumors. Okay, so I told you originally I was thinking about doing the Ghostbusters for the rumor corner, but we can't really. Well, we could. I can do what I want. It's our show. We can do whatever we want, Tony. But Jason Knapp on Knapp Arcades already covered this Ghostbusters thing, so I don't want to regurgitate with that. I got the link on the show notes. People can already read that. So let me give you something different. Let me give you something new. Let me give you something exclusive, possibly exclusive. Dennis doesn't listen to all podcasts that are in pinball because many of them are boring, and so he cannot tell you whether or not this is truly exclusive. I also cannot tell you whether this is true or false. So remember, treat everything in Rumor Corner as a dirty, nasty lie because we don't know that Rumor Corner is true, even though Rumor Corner is 100% always good. Is it true or not? I don't know. 100% of the time, it's right every time, except when it's wrong. That's what we say about Rumor Corner. But I'm stalling for too long, so let's get into the rumor. Rumor is actually going to deal with Harry Potter. So this, oh, ears are perked up now, haven't they? Everyone loves to hear about Harry Potter. So we've talked about this before, but a really quick recap for people that aren't familiar. People might remember a few weeks ago, Joe Chemical went onto social media, proclaimed Jersey Jack Pinball has a Harry Potter license. Um, you know, spoilers. Boom. There. Done. So here's the rumor corner. Rumor for you today. I have received a report, a rumor, a claim that Stern Pinball did indeed screw up Kamikau's work to secure the Harry Potter license, that he had been working on it. That's ostensibly 
theoretically why he went public with this because he did all of this work and it was due to action or I've heard more inaction on the part of Stern that allowed the license to slip through their fingers. That's not the interesting part of the rumor because we actually already talked about that speculation before. What I have heard is a couple of things. One, this rumor claims Harry Potter is coming out soon, as in 2024, before the end of the year, but possibly as early as the summer. So we're talking a year out. Second piece of the rumor that this is not remotely going to be what people expect when they heard Harry Potter pinball and Potter fans, broadly speaking, are going to be immensely disappointed with what this game is going to be. That is the rumor. So we might almost speculate off of this information that they have Harry Potter. It's coming out really soon. So the development cycle either was already underway or if it's being undertaken, it's going to be basically ready to go possibly in under a year. I'll tell you what my thought is, Tony. My thought is, think about like Stern's The Pen Line, or you want to go even more extreme, think Zizzle. Not not commercial grade, full-on proper pinball, that this is some sort of either novel, that's what my, my speculation on the rumor is. This is some sort of novelty game. It might still be pinball in the sense that you are using flippers and hitting a ball around, but by novelty, I mean more toy-like or again, and this is this wasn't part of the rumor, this is part of my speculation. If J.K. Rowling's thing that we'd always heard, but I'd never seen the evidence of myself, uh, having a problem with pinball was it being routed in bars and she didn't want kids to feel like they wanted to go and experience something in a bar because they would be you know, possibly allowed to go in because there's this thing and then they're around this environment that she thinks is unsavory, which is why it's okay for like casinos, which keep kids out to have casino, da, 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 all that stuff. We've talked about it before. My initial speculation when we first heard this rumor was maybe part of the pitch that JJP was able to make was, hey, look, our game started at $12,000. There's next to no operators that, that use this stuff. We are targeting the homeowner's market, and that would be their angle. But whatever the angle is, this thing can't even be commercially operated. There ain't no coin door. They ain't even got software to allow you to install a coin door. It's not commercial grade. That is the speculation I'm adding on. The rumor is next year it's coming out and it's not remotely going to be what people think of when they think Harry Potter pinball. Your thoughts? I think that it will be a pinball machine, a normal pinball machine. And I think it's going to be Fantastic Beasts. Mm. It falls into the franchise. And its most recent movie was last year. Okay. Um, here's, here's an aspect. And of course, depends how you interpret it. Uh, and again, this is a rumor, uh, this is an outside rumor to us. So who knows what's true and what's not, or if any of it at all is true, but if they secured the license just recently, assuming, obviously it's a big assumption, assuming that Stern basically just now lost it and Kamikau thus just now went public because it just all recently happened. Right. For JJP, this seems to be a pretty aggressive development cycle. That would be cycle. aggressively fast so, for JJP. Well, I agree that Potter heads or whatever they call themselves, Potter fans, would be probably, by and large, downright pissed if it was a Fantastic Beasts Harry Potter game. 
it still wouldn't explain the aggressive schedule of, of JJP being able to, in basically 12 to 18 months, putting out a full-fledged pinball machine, something that they're developed uh, while they've obviously Godfather came out within a year of the release of um, Toy Story 4, but if they just now got the license, normally they've had the licenses for a while and they, you know, they wrote to the design. So that's the part that I I wonder about if it's just that, like if it's still, can it still be full? Like on, like Stern could do it. Like Elwin could get a game out in a year, but we've never seen that out of JJP. If they actually did just get the license like a month ago. And I, and and that's going to, that's the question. Did they just get it? But it's not beyond thought with the number of game designers that they have right now working on stuff that something hasn't been uh, partially put together or partially designed, but not themed yet that could be used as a set point. It could be used as they could have had something gestating that they were able to do a rapid turnout of. Uh, uh, change it from whatever it was originally targeted as if it had a targeted theme already uh, and and then slide it in with the new theme. It's entirely possible. It could be something like that. I mean, it's, it's interesting because when someone claims it's so safe to claim uh, that people broadly will be disappointed because there's so many ways that could happen. It's like, for example, if they did that and they had a design in the can, that might mean, Nothing wholly original in the sense of a toy or mech might be possible, like what people might be fantasizing about, like a, a special Quidditch play field. Right. Uh, like it might be a generic upper play field that looks like a Quidditch thing, but not like, a, oh, look, there are rings in the ball with magnets. Floats. I don't know what people are <laughs> fantasizing about. Um, likewise, the uh, you know other things, people could be disappointed if it's as simple as uh, it's absolutely not movie assets. It's all going to be the book. There'll be people that were just like people were upset that Deadpool wasn't the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Right. And just to go with the whole Quidditch thought, it could always just be that as you play the game and they're there with the birth of internet connectivity, the way it is, the game must be connected to the internet. And if somebody completes a special shot on their machine somewhere else in the world, your machine in this game instantly ends because somebody caught the golden snitch somewhere else. Because that's how it goes. That'd be a fun. It's no- Quidditch. That could be a fun. Like if it was a Quidditch novelty game, that would be interesting. Now I'm gonna. St- I'm gonna. You could get it ball yeah. one and just end the know. game. That's all rumors. So I'm gonna stick with my speculation. I'm gonna stick with that. No, this is gonna be. It's not gonna be like a normal JJP game. Something. Something's gonna it's be a pachinko you know machine. That would be funny. I don't want to count that as pinball though. I I still think it's gonna be pinball esque, but I I don't want to go. It feels so weird for me to say I don't want to zizzle them because that's like a. a toy but that's where i'm leaning with the the development time because it would sell it would still be good money for them it'd just be a different audience i just have such a hard time they talk so much about how quality and deep and everything else and that's what all their talk is about for them to turn their backs on what feels like their core identity so much I just have, that's where I have the that's hard a, time that's tracking fair. with that. That's fair. But that, I mean, they got the new factory. They have multiple lines now. Right. Maybe it was just like, well, it didn't come to fruition. Remember American pinball was going to make that flying Dutchman thing or whatever. And they were trying to do more than just pinball. They wanted to be able to build other arcade 
novelty games. Right. And it just didn't work out, but the maybe, capability is there. Now, maybe, now you could be right. Maybe they are going to make something like that. And that's where they're going to release a whole bunch of different pens to cover all of the movies mm. to make that a realistic I, capacity. I just thought of another one, this idea. It's a, it's a pinball cabinet, like their traditional size cabinet. It's virtual. It's a V pen. Oh, man. All, so it's all software. Oh, driven. crap. I could see that. I mean, uh, they did virtual pinball for the Toy Story 4, like one of those mini games is the virtual. So they have the bones to a virtual pinball game. They could put it in a full size cab, take the coin door out, say, look, it's not real, like not real pinball, uh, JK Rowling. So it's okay. It's a video game. And you've endorsed Harry Potter video games. She has repeatedly. Video games are okay. And then that's. Have I have I cracked the code? Is the rumor maybe? Is the rumor maybe. rumor tamed? Possibly, could be. Anyway, this one was a real interesting one. I don't know what to think. I have yeah, I have that. no idea because my at the whole Potter fans are going to be disappointed. I can already say I, I just assume that Potter fans are going to be disappointed. <laughs> I think they're going to be disappointed no matter what. Exactly, and, and that's not a dig at JJP. I just think any it's just it's like Star Wars. It's just so big of a license. People are going to have something in their mind and and they're not going to get exactly what they're yeah, thinking. The about. hype has gotten to the yeah, point where it is impossible to do what people exactly, want. Exactly. I mean, but so no matter what, they're going to be disappointed. But I can just totally see them doing a fantastic beast just and just the rage. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about the that. The rage would be hilarious. I think. Is it Harry Potter if it's Fantastic Beasts? It is. It's is the he Harry in Potter it? universe? But Dumbledore's in it. Yeah, but other other Harry Potter's name is. I'm thinking the, the character Harry Potter because everyone everything else is like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And right. Stuff. Like well, that's just one story. Is it Harry Potter in, in the a, Fantastic in a bigger Beast? universe? Will Harry be under a plastic that you can only see when you clean it? Like where where's Harry? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for cleaning me. Okay. Well, that's it. Uh, so I guess we can go to video games now. Okay. Uh, we do have a couple emails. So I'll go ahead and continue uh, spewing words out of mouth, my mouth for a little bit. Um, so first one I want to cover is from Glenn W. Thank you for writing in. I'm not going to quote the entire email, Tony, but I'm going to quote the part that was relevant to us uh, for the discussion points. <clears throat> and Glenn writes, I am not a video game guy. All of the major releases come out and I don't play any of them except all except for the Zelda releases. I've played through all of them since Ocarina of Time. I was hoping to hear about your experience playing Tears of the Kingdom to only be met with tears of disappointment. In your opinion, is Nintendo only good at releasing movies? Is the Zelda franchise not that good? Is the Nintendo Switch not worth owning? Could you maybe have a segment? Nintendo Corner? Well, thank you, Glenn, for writing in. First off, uh, no, we're not having a Nintendo Corner segment. So That no. said, we do talk about the Direct this time. We do, but we're not to that part yet. And that's not what he asked about either. He asked specifically about our thoughts on Tears of the Kingdom. He was hoping to hear about our experience playing it. Well, it's really simple, Glenn. I don't play Tears of the Kingdom, so I don't have an experience, and that's why I don't talk about it. Tony, what are your thoughts? My Nintendo was lost to the family. And my, my switch was lost to the family. And and in all technicality, I think it's in the spot where I can reclaim it now because my wife has her own switch. So it's once again something that I could reclaim and I just have not done as of yet. I love Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild was a great game. I like Zelda. I am not 
you know, like, 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 like you get certain of these, certain of the older video game franchises, you get a certain type of, uh, of player who it's their big thing. You got your Zelda fans, you got your Metroid peoples, you got your Mario's and your Sonic peoples. I'm not any of those. I enjoy all of those games, but I am not the huge fanboy. So while Tears of the Kingdom, I want, and I, especially the more stuff I see about it and this little building, uh, construction thing that it's got going on i really want to play it uh it's not been so much of a priority to me to have grabbed it as of yet or set up my switch or tried to reclaim my switch i don't even know where my switch is right now the family's got it somewhere at one point my wife had my switch set up in one room and 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 her switch in another room and then both of my daughters have their switches and they i i I don't know i don't even know where it's at because at one point my wife was still playing Animal Crossing on my accounts with her with Animal Crossing on my Switch. And then on her Switch, she had her Animal Crossing and they tied, I, I don't know, islands working together. One of them used for storage for overflow. I, I don't know. It's crazy. I haven't had a chance yet. And it's one, and for me, it's one of the games that would probably fall into the once the price comes down some, I will grab it once I get my Switch set back up and such but i've just i've not done it It, it, it's nothing bad about it it looks incredibly fun it's just not a game that jumps at it's the same way we'll be talking about a whole lot of mario games because they just announced a whole bunch of mario games and some of them i think look great but i'm not going to be like day one adopters i don't it's just not how i play anymore and 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 a lot of stuff is just not my primary game type anymore yeah i uh for me it's not about i'm not uh i'm not a a connoisseur no yeah well maybe i'm a little bit uh the i was gonna say i'm not a connoisseur of the zelda games like i i played the first three and then i kind of just moved away from it like i i borrowed i had a roommate once who had let me start like i think it was uh the whatever the what's the one that everyone loves the old all of them I guess it was Ocarina of Time. Okay. Um, uh, and I started it and I, you know, it was maybe it was just too old and I just didn't get into it. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to continue this. And it's, uh, so there's that aspect to it, even though the game I think looks great. It's nothing against the game. I do not buy multiple consoles in a generation. I have never owned multiple consoles in a generation to my knowledge. So it was i mean so I for, mean, for me it was i, I you NES. can make the argument you can make the argument i have a gamecube in downstairs and i don't know whose gamecube it is because i swear i never owned one but there's a gamecube in a box downstairs uh under my stairs uh so i mean i could tell you the the cycle not counting pc because pc is separate from console but you so, can consider switch a handheld yeah it's a console um so you I, owned you owned you owned a uh a, a Nintendo Advance at one point, and you had a console. Yes, uh, but those didn't plug into the TV and were consoles. Like the Nintendo Switch is a console. That's what it is. It's a console. Look, just bear with, just roll with it, okay? Also, uh, I didn't buy those. Those were gifts. So, like, I didn't buy my GBA. I never owned a DS. I had a GBA because I had to play the Busket game. Busket. And I didn't buy that. G- like, it was a gift. So I had the GBA. You got gifted gift. the GBA so you could play with the busket. Well, we ended up playing the busket, I think, because I it worked. I don't know how it worked out. I don't know. Someone, it was someone's idea. It's not my idea. 
because I didn't know you wouldn't stay loyal to the Buskett. So that was just a bad experience all around. But the um, Thug did not need to stay loyal uh, to the Buskett. Thug had a hit point pool that allowed him to ignore the yes, Buskett when necessary. Yes, <laughs> yes uh, that's what he claimed. Um, so, but I did have a Game Boy as well. But yeah, my console, my proper, and I think of Switch as a proper console. It's got the power. It's designed to be both. Nintendo's doing weird stuff, so they, which is smart for them. But like, they retired their handhelds because they're kind of like we're everything now, right? Um, so I mean, long story short, I don't think anyone really cares. But my cycle had been NES, Super NES, uh, PS One. I skipped the next generation and only did PC gaming at that time, so I didn't have the next gen. Uh, 360, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. That's my life cycle on consoles. So it's not that Nintendo only does good at releasing movies. It's that there's no reason to own a Nintendo console unless you want to play Nintendo exclusives because it's an incredibly weak system compared to the PS5 or the Xbox Series. And most of what I play is third party. So I would rather have a fixed position. I play here. We're recording in my living room right now. That's where I play my console games is in the living room. And it's that's I don't need it portable. And I, that's why I don't own a switch. I, it's not good enough for me to want a whole other system to charge and manage and keep the games and pay attention to. I've got plenty of stuff I haven't even played. I don't need more time sinks like that. So what about a Steam Deck? I have no interest in one, but I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't ideologically be against it. Uh, but I'm not ideologically against the switch. I just, I don't, it, to me, it feels like wasting money buying multiple systems like that. And some people are all in and they co- like collect, they like collect every gaming thing that comes out. And I am not like that. I just, I just don't care enough to do that. I'm like, it's not efficient for me. I, I have dozens of games installed on my, on my Xbox. And honestly, I probably have a couple dozen at this point on steam. And I rarely play steam games that I've never touched. So why waste more money? That's my logic. This is such an interesting discussion. Well, we're moving on from it. Thank you, Glenn, for bringing up this discussion. Because I find it immensely interesting. Mm. Owning multiple consoles is a waste of money. For me. No, I understand. Like, I mean, imagine if I, like, if I owned, let's say I owned a PS5 and an Xbox Series X. Aside, again, aside from the exclusives, isn't it like, okay, well, which one do I want to play Call of Duty on? Which one do I want to play Street Fighter on? Which one do I want to play uh, the uh, Battlefield on? You know, it's like, um, maybe just pick one and not drop another $400 on something that does the basically like 90% the same stuff. Now, Nintendo's got a lot of exclusive, but again, I'm not... What am I going to do? Throw my hat at things as Mario? Like, how long am I going to play that? Is it really worth several hundred dollars? Because that's what you're asking me to spend. Does it make sense when uh, you're like, well, but you spent several thousand on a pinball machine? No, you can point at all sorts of stuff to say where it doesn't make sense. I don't judge people for owning multiple consoles. I've never seen the motivation to do it for me because I've got plenty of video games. I've, I've never gone and turned on the Xbox and gone, darn it, I'm out of games to play. Guess I better spend more money. Never happened. Never will happen. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Thank you, Glenn, for the uh, interesting discussion. Sorry that we don't have anything to say about your most precious game of all time. Maybe if it was good, we would play it. The uh, Jason Y wrote in. <laughs> that was harsh. No, it wasn't. It was, I've heard it was nothing kind. but good things and about that game. I, you know what? I no. I read one review that said that uh, that Breath of the Wild is better than Tears of the Kingdom. I don't know why. 
I should say I read one review headline. I didn't <laughs> I read, read the review because I, I don't care. I read one headline. I read one headline. So I'm just saying it's not universally like seen as the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yes. Some people think it's just equal to sliced bread. Glenn loves this. He wanted I'm, he wanted this. Sliced right? bread is I good. wrote him and I, I told him, we're going to cover this on the episode. And he's like, oh, gosh, I'm worried. He's like, I'll worry that his email was too harsh. And I was like, don't worry. It'll no, be, no. It will be responded to accordingly. Don't you no, fret. It, don't it you is fret. a valid thing. We, we, don't you fret. A, it is a valid thing. We'll we don't, give you lots we don't, of discussion. We don't talk about a whole lot, a lot of the Nintendo stuff because, again, it's primarily just Well, I, I don't play. I you just, don't play. And I, don't, I, I, I haven't really played any Nintendo stuff in a while either. Should, I mean, should I play Nintendo? I, just, I mean. I could. It's just like, but I've got other stuff. I, I just don't feel the need for it. I just don't. No, I understand. So it's like, why don't I cover Pokemon? I've never played a Pokemon game. That's why. I just don't. Would I like Pokemon games? No. Probably. Nah. No, I'll say probably. Probably. That way it stings even more. Yeah, probably. Nah. But you know what? I'm puzzle questing right now, so leave me alone. That's I what am. I'm doing. Puzzle questing. So, Jason Y. He wrote in as okay. well. Okay. We got to move on. We got to move on from this uh, Ocarina of Tears or whatever it's called. He writes, Tony and Dennis. I don't know why he's Southern, but this is how it is. This is how the, sometimes so, the voice just that, comes well, to me as just, I start to speak. Just, I can it just, just comes to me. I read the oh, tone. Honey. I read the tone in the email, and it tells me. So you know, bless bless his heart. Bless okay. her heart. Bless his heart. Jason writes. So I'm sure you guys are going to talk about the Nintendo Direct news. Spoiler: We will. But I but cannot just say how excited I am for Super Mario RPG: Legend of the Seven Stars remake. This is one of my favorite games of all time, and I'm curious if you two have ever experienced with the original and what your thoughts on the game were. I mean, the timeless turn-based combat, the quirky isometric view, the Mario meets Final Fantasy storytelling, the plot twist, the music. Beep! I had to set to that next part. Got to change my pants now. Look forward to hearing all the news on your podcast. Love the podcast, Jason. Well, Jason, thank you for writing in. You're not going to love the podcast uh, in a moment because, no, I never played Super Mario RPG because I never cared about it. And I also don't know any Nintendo consoles. I was going to say, we're, we're already <laughs> so, in the middle. So basically, what console what did it come is, out is, on? Is, what console is, did it come out SNES. on? Okay, I did own a SNES, but I did never happen to... And I played Mario games, but I never owned this one. Yeah, I, I'm almost positive it was, the, it was a SNES release. Okay. I did not play Super Mario RPG. I did play Paper Mario which mm. was the style of game that kind of came after it. Right. I, uh, I, I've seen, like, I've watched, like, speed runs of some right, of this stuff, right. but I've not played it. But, yeah, no, I've not I, I, I've not played it. I've never heard a bad thing about it. Everybody Nor have I. It. Nor have I. It is one of those... It is one of those games that's always talked of as a pinnacle, and 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 then like, oh, didn't you love it the first time you played it? And you're just like, I, I never played it. When I heard about what the Nintendo Direct uh, covered when it came out, my reaction was... I think the Super Mario RPG remake is probably the biggest news in the direct. That was my reaction. I agree. But obviously, that's subjective. Everyone's going to have their own take. But I, it was it was the but, first thing I heard trumpeted about after the the direct. I I have not played it um, because I didn't know about it at the time when it came out. Apparently, since I own that system, I didn't have a lot of SNES games though. That was I was starting to do more PC gaming then, so I kind of moved away from it. Because again, uh, as, you hate as, Mario. No, as as you, as, you, you as you have realized, Tony, I'm very linear with like my gaming, and I tend to stick with one thing. And then when the new generation happens, maybe I shift. But I don't do a lot of multi-platform gaming, even with PC and console. It's always always kind of been all in sort of stuff for me. But 
Um, so I, yeah, I just can't really weigh in on it. Uh, and I don't really know people like in person who have talked to me about Super Mario RPG as players. So it's just not something that I had friends that played. Or it was least, the SNES. Or if they did play it, they never talked to me about it. So I assume they didn't play it because the buzz has always been pretty positive about it. So sorry, uh, we will be talking a little bit more here in the direct, but uh, I don't have any feedback on my thoughts on the on the old version of the game. So sorry. Maybe Glenn can talk to you about it. But I'm not giving you Glenn's email because we're keeping it secret. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just be weird to just randomly hand no, people's like hook people up around. like that yeah, yeah no, that would be that's probably that be, like what listeners do not want to have yeah, happen would definitely. be my guess hey man we couldn't help you out but we just randomly hooked you up with some stranger that we thought would be more your you know do you guys would have a better connection no no like dennis i just never played it at the time uh it, i i looked it up the original release was in may of 96 uh i was getting ready to think about playing final fantasy 7 then right so uh that was well i guess i don't think final fantasy 7 came out so no not yet that's what yeah it was a, that was like a year later joke. yeah but no i uh uh i just it's not a game that i had then played at the time i was not at that point in time, I was pretty much purely PC games. I had a Super Nintendo, but it was shared with my sister, and it lived in my sister's room. So that tells you how much I played Super Nintendo. Uh, because kind of like a, what you did to your Switch. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it went its own separate, special way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can claim it back. I, I can totally get it back, guys. I mean it. But uh, we'll talk about it more here. In yeah. A bit. But, but thank you for writing in. We yeah, do very appreciate much so. it. All right, Tony, take over. I'm tired. So many directs. I almost forgot to put this first one in. It was the Xbox mm. slash uh, Starfield direct. And I almost forgot about it because it came, that direct was like two hours after we recorded the last yes, episode. Yes, it was. World premiere. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, lots of an extended looks at games that we'd already had announced. Lamp, Lamplighters League, which is from Harebrained Schemes, who did my Battletech game that I am now at 1,020 yeah. plus hours into. Uh, hopefully it's as good as that. It won't be. Uh, avowed side of the cyberpunk DLC. Uh, I did find it very interesting that the Microsoft flight simulator, I love how they still push Microsoft flight simulator re- really hard. I, and apparently it's got huge player base. I didn't know that until base. I saw it on Reddit this week. I was, yeah, I was looking some stuff up the other day. There is literally a player base where people like multiplay player together it and they like, do like real world weather and people do ATC stuff and it's insane, mm. but it has a player base that's just insanely larger than I ever thought it was. Uh, I mean, I knew it was kind of popular back in the day, like in the late nineties and everything. Yeah. I played it back then, uh, uh, but I did not realize just how big it has gotten to be for people playing Microsoft flight simulator. Cause here I, I was surprised. I'm like, wow, they're, 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 they talk about these every year, every summer. They show the new. I feel like they talk about the racing game. Yeah, I always just kind of blow it. I know there's a, like a niche for it and I just sort of blow it off otherwise. And that's how I've been too. But this year they're like, oh, and by the way, here's our Dune DLC where you get a flight ornithopters on, on Arrakis and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That, what? That, I, I was surprised at the collab. Not, now those ornithopters are cool. They're so, cool. But I wanted to fly the worm. That, that's not how that works. Make it work. <laughs> it feels like Flight Simulator is becoming you can, something else. But only on n- Nintendo. 
It's on Nintendo Flight Simulator. Uh, well, then I won't be playing it. Just like I'm not playing the current one. <laughs> Oops. Just because it's on Xbox doesn't mean you get play. <laughs> this is why I don't get Game Pass. I have so many like free games with gold stuff. That's why I still don't have Yeah, Game but there's Pass. good games on Game Pass. Look, sometimes we need to give these diamonds in the rough their chance to be rough. And sometimes they're just rough. Sometimes, but you know what? So No risk, no reward. No risk, no My reward. My tiger growls at your assumption. <laughs> they won't get it. That I, I get it and some, you get it. You know, there's one person out there who got that. Mm-hmm. There's one person who's like, oh, my God, somebody else read that. If you, if you, I read every book in that know, series. If you know what series one. we're talking about with the tiger growling, then write in eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com, and I'll let you pick a discussion topic for the next episode. Wow. Well, probably the episode after, because we'll right. it depends. But still, yeah. Yeah. worth it. Yeah. Worth it. I mean, it, it, your, if your ta- discussion topic is you want us to talk about the growling tiger. I wanted, I wanted to say, all right, the discussion topic has to be video game or pinball related, but it can be related to the series if you want. Like, how would you design a game that is involved with this? Well, first thing it does is it tasers you in the balls every five seconds. <laughs> but I think... Just, just leave the probes in. It's less painful than rereading. The two biggest things. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. The two biggest things for me... Mm. Out of this direct yes. was the Star Wars Outlaws look. That looked good. It's it is the game people have been wanting. Is it for a decade? An open world single player Star Wars experience. I mean, I think you're right. Uh, They've canceled three of them. I know, but the there's been the what they've been like two. I guess they're not open world, but the. There have been two games recently that seem to have done well, right? They've done very well, but in both of them, but but in both of them, you're a Jedi, right? Where specifically, this is you're like Han. Okay. That this game is situated more on the uh, in the rogues gallery okay. of the mm-hmm. type of thing. There was there was there had been a lot of talk. There was a bounty hunter game in design uh, that got canceled. Uh, and there was another kind of rogues gallery type game in design that got canceled a number number of years ago uh, that really had a lot of early hype. Uh, but this is th- and that's uh, this came out of nowhere and it looks surprisingly far along for something uh, what I was expecting to see. So I'm excited about this. Okay. Uh, I, I was going to say I hadn't played a Star Wars game since the one where you're the Vader apprentice, but that's actually not true. I did play the Battlefront games when they were on sale. I did end up getting those. I mean, and those were okay. Yeah. But they're, they're multiplayer. Right. And then there was like a Rogue Squadron or right. something. Yeah. The, the, the Starfighters. Too hard. It's actually like it's too – it's going to sound weird. It's too realistic of a flight sim for me. Like I just got pwned. <laughs> Not even owned, pwned. It, it was that bad. It was, it was too I, much. I just could. I was like, it's. I mean, I'm on a controller, which should work great on flight sims. It's not like a shooter where uh, you know I get it. Like they, that's why they have aim assist and stuff. But I was just like, maybe everyone was just way better. I mean, they were way better. But I was just like, I just can't. You're going in. I'm so bad at this. I'm, di- I'm not. I'm dying fun. every. I'm dying like every eight seconds. Uh, yeah, I'm a tie fighter with no shields. I get it, but it's just like I, I maybe played it like a month and yeah. just, I was like, this isn't fun. I'm done. I'm done. Well, that's with one it. thing. You're supposed to have fun yeah. with games. That's right. 
So anyway, but uh, okay. So yeah, I well, can see I could see the excitement for this. Uh, I don't know if I'll be in the market for it yet or not. We'll see. Uh, I I have high hopes for it being something like an Uncharted st- for Star Wars or or or, or right, Far right. Cry for Star Wars. Um, but the big thing was the giant Starfield like hour long deep dive direct yeah. release. I didn't know if I was going to sit through it, uh, but I'm glad I did because it, my first impression of Starfield was not good when they showed the very first stuff months ago. Right. It was just, I was like, is this it? That's actually my reaction. This is it. Now, yeah, my now opinion has shifted somewhat. It, it seems like they took all of the concepts they were that was being hoped for by No Man's Sky, uh, tried to avoid the No Man's Sky mistakes uh and put a good spin and polish on it and a Bethesda storyline. Yes. I, I have to admit I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Seeing like the ship modification, shipbuilding stuff uh surprised me. That is not at all what I expected to see in such a game. Yeah, you'd think they'd need at least a decade of alpha. Oh wait, no, that's Star Citizen, not Starfield. Well, even Sorry, then they, you don't they, get they, to design the ships. The ships uh, are already designed. You, you just, just pay real them. money for them. them. Yeah. Uh, I actually, uh, I'm actually pretty excited about Starfield now. Um, it looked, it looked way better than I thought it was. Like I didn't like the shooting mechanics or anything when I first saw it, and now with it's just there's so much more to it than right. Than I I thought it was like going to be poor man's space Fallout, and it's it looks way better than that. So, but it's Bethesda, so so you oh, know it's gonna bugs. it's gonna be buggy as crud at launch. Yeah, yeah. Now supposedly Microsoft is saying that it is the least buggy Bethesda release ever. That's not a high bar, though. Uh, valid. I, I, I really like Bethesda. I was so excited when, because, you know, I commit to only one console. Uh, I was so excited when Microsoft got Bethesda, because Bethesda might be my most favorite studio at this point. Um, I can see that. But they buggy. <laughs> they buggy. They are buggy. You guys got to accept it. The uh, I find it hopeful. That they acknowledged that they are do has to have launch problems. We'll see how it actually goes, but yeah, I I was deeply impressed by that entire uh, segment of the show. It was it was I was interested, and now I'm waiting. I'm ready. I want it. Okay. Uh, the thing that the thing that has surprised me was. The, it resonated so well, not just with me, but across the board that you've seen, I've seen stuff constantly about Starfield, little news drops here and there, little people doing deep analysis of the, the videos that were released and grabbing stuff out of the background. Uh, pretty hardcore. Uh, it's like surprisingly hardcore as people have been going through stuff. So I, I think they have succeeded in generating a huge buzz uh hopefully this won't be uh redfall too yeah i wouldn't normally i mean what's the biggest blunder bethesda's really had it was fallout 76 which wasn't single player and is enormous now it's hugely popular okay uh, it, it, once, it, once you fail, once you no man's sky it, I write you off. I don't go back. Yeah, no, I, and that that's that's I mean I I I had no interest in Fallout 76. I still don't have any interest in Fallout 76 cuz I don't really care for Fallout as a multiplayer game, it doesn't matter to me. But uh 
it has a surprisingly large player base. Okay. Much bigger than I expected. Well, because I'd always heard stuff saying this game's trash, this game's trash, this game's trash early on, but it has really segued. And now most of what I hear is, well, they fixed all the bad stuff and now it's an actually really good game. Okay. So good to know. I'm still not going to play it, but, uh, and then there was also the Nintendo Direct, which has some big things. Uh, the Pokemon DLC. Everybody's excited for Pokemon being able to have DLCs now. Uh, the as we've talked about the Super Mario RPG remake. That was that's the thing that hurt. All, I've heard the most. Buzz I think it was about. probably the biggest surprise, right? And I've heard the most buzz about it. Everybody's excited for it. Uh, I saw an article where the composer for the original one confirmed that she is doing the music for this one, and the comment section was just insanely enraptured with that fact because the music is in the original is considered a classic uh, uh, video game music. So it, it is definitely one of those things that that hit everything. Um, what I found actually interesting was super Mario wonder. It is a throwback to side-scrolling 2d mario okay but it's like on an acid trip like in the trailer like the flowers are talking to mario and at one point he grabs a power up and everything starts dancing and the light and, and the light goes all weird and there's all sorts of strange stuff going on and then he grabs another power up and everything goes back to normal i mean it is like full-on acid trip mario but from the trailers it looks like it has four player simultaneous same screen play okay i i don't know i don't know what is going on with this game he grabs a power-up that turns him into an elephant in a mario outfit i i really don't know what's going on but i am intrigued i i I would like to see more i mean it is full-on would you like to know more yes i would thank you very much um new warioware game I've played a few of those actually on uh, yeah. uh, and they're fun on handheld back when I on my GBA or whatever. Back when you had a handheld. Back when I cared, yeah. Now I have a phone. Don't you all have phones? Well, maybe maybe when Microsoft attempts to buy, purchase Nintendo and then gets turned down. They should. Just buy it. They'll try and get turned down, then then PlayStation will try and succeed. <laughs> PlayStation will just enter into timed exclusives for all the Nintendo stuff like they do with Final Fantasy. Yeah bunch of not i'm not buying your console just because you do those mean things uh there's a princess peach centered game on the way on the way uh they didn't release much information okay. about it it was very much a teaser look uh they're doing an enhanced version of luigi's mansion 2 which is a game my daughter loves luigi's mansion games um and they announced a new detective pikachu game coming back oh okay so, um, yay. Uh, yay. I guess. I, I, I only know the movie. I only, yeah, I'm the same way. I only know the movie. So, but it definitely was a good direct for people who liked Mario. It was a very Mario centric and Mario forward direct. Maybe that's what the other M stands for in Metroid other M Mario. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's the new Mario. Yes. <laughs> Samus takes off their helmet. It's not Samus, it's Mario, and they're all along. 
to be thematically correct, it would be peach in there mm. when the helmet came That doesn't off. make the other M joke work. True. EA has decided to split itself into two separate organizations. So that it's easier for Microsoft to buy them? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. They're splitting themselves into EA Sports and EA Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Which is who used to be EA Games and is is going to be continued to center on non-sports-related gaming. Okay. Which means, based upon the quality of EA uh, non-sports-related games as of lately, I guess that section's going out of business pretty quick. Uh, because I'm pretty sure EA Sports has been keeping them afloat. <laughs> afloat. Uh, the Microsoft Activision deal. The FTC filed a temporary ban on the buyout, and it succeeded, and they're going to federal court which will actually speed things up compared to what was the original timeline we were looking at. Uh, Microsoft is not, does not seem to be overly upset by them going before a judge. Uh, In this case, in their court filings, Microsoft uh, made sure to say, to be fair, most of the court filings have been redacted. There's only a few parts that are visible, but they made sure to say uh, that they have lost the console wars. They have 16% market share and is ranked third out of three in console sales. They are they are doubling down on the how can this be breaking stuff when we are the smallest people. See, in I'm the, supporting in, the little guy by just buying that. That's what you, yeah, that's what it is. What I find is interesting is the FTC is uh, upset because uh, they pointed out that there's several games that Microsoft has kicked out uh, recently that or that Bethesda kicked out that were originally supposed to be multi-platform and are no longer multi-platform, uh, such as Redfall. Uh, apparently the new Indiana Jones game is going to be Xbox and PC exclusive. Uh, and, and Starfield is Xbox and PC exclusive. Uh, they're pointing out that this exclusivity is hurtful for gamers. So let me tell you what I'm really hoping to see come out of this. Mm. I hope that they do ban this purchase i hope that the courts come down and say you're right this does take choice away from gamers and then i hope they step back and say it is illegal to sole source games it can no longer be a console exclusive because that is bad for gamers and they force out console exclusivity by law I don't even know if they have the authority to do that, though. To be fair, they'd have the authority to do that within the borders of the United mm. States of America. I mean, the thing is, because of their, there's a certain degree of, I assume, maybe I'm wrong, certain degree of freedom on what a business can do, operate, you know, within the bounds of the law and the regulatory aspects. If the designs are to control monopolistic behavior, but the but the regulatory uh, controls are only in the realms of possession. Then they might not have the power to like, for example, Sony first party game being exclusive to Sony. I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm not an attorney, so I can't give any legal advice anyway. But I don't know if FTC can go in and say if you make a video game Sony under Sony that you have to let other people air it any more than does Apple have to give apps that they develop to Androids and you know. Like, where's the, it's, you're starting to dictate how, how they, once they, they are their own entity and you're starting to say, well, they have to share. It doesn't get to extend to, oh, well, congratulations. You invented a new cholesterol drug. Guess it's generic. 
I would, honestly, I would like that. Of course, no people would like it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think they have the. I don't even think they have the authority to do it. No, I think you're probably right. I the, just think it would be the, what would be if if they're going to argue that they want to do what's best for gamers, then they need to take it to the logical conclusion. Right. I I agree that to me it's it's nonsensical in a way. Because I, I can see, you know, there is some nuance to it, but it's nonsensical to get super upset about exclusivity because you bought a company, but it's okay to get exclusivity as long as you bribe a company. Exactly. And, and the issue of timed or permanent exclusives via payment is something that uh, console manufacturers, especially Sony and Microsoft, have done over the years. And Sony has really relied on that a lot lately. And I think Square is perhaps the case in point where Square's pay is, 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 is by fiat keeping everything off of everything else. It's not on Nintendo and it's not on Microsoft uh, because Sony is arranging that, but Sony mm-hmm. doesn't own them. So they're not getting accused of running a monopoly because they don't actually control Square. They just cut them a check and control all the titles. Right. But at the same time, there are laws that should, that allow you to not prevent a monopoly by buying out and having controlling interest in all of your competitors and maintaining a false sense of choice. Yes, and I I just I don't know what I have the no level idea. is, and I, I don't, don't know, and I don't basis. even know how I don't even know how someone raises it. Like, does the government have to raise a claim, or does someone with standing have to litigate and bring it up? But I will say, because I, I read, of course, some of the gaming uh, subreddit stuff that comes out and this gets covered. And it's interesting because you'll see a lot of Sony supporters that don't like. And I understand, like, I understand, especially if they like to play like what I do. You play a lot of third party games and maybe one of your big third party studios is about to be controlled by this baby's first tiniest console maker. And you wouldn't be able to play Call of Duty anymore. Right. On, on so I'm saying aside Microsoft's promises over the next decade and all that. Um, but to me, they're somewhat, in my opinion, tortured arguments are, because I've seen several make it is the reason why this is wrong is Microsoft didn't earn it, that they're buying companies and their IPs, and they're going to just have all of that. And what Sony did is okay. Cause either it's deals with third parties that get to still be third parties and then can make their own way in the future if they want to. And everything else was homegrown. So Sony built their studios with honor and thus those things getting to be controlled. It's fair because they built those up. Microsoft is like, let's skip the development stage and just buy the good ones, which is a fair criticism. But I also think that it's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's it's a a difference without meaning, right? It's still exclusivity. Who cares if, I mean, you want to go, want to go full, want to go full on America. Corporations are people too. Microsoft earned the money they have. If they want to buy their way to the top, that's what money's there for. What's the point of having power, Tony, if you can't wield it? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's all going to be moot with however this turns out, but it, it's definitely an interesting just, argument. It is. It, it is. And Where and- do you draw the line on all of this. Where do you draw the where is the line drawn between free market economy and it's, total it's, fairness and everything else? I think there's a lot I mean from a monopolistic standpoint it's absolutely right that this should be scrutinized and there should be a lot of concern. I just it feels so um 
haphazard because FTC has allowed a lot bigger things to go through that impact people's lives a lot more than some video games. Yeah. And yeah, like, I mean, does this feel larger than like the Sprint T-Mobile? Exactly. Sprint T-Mobile was huge, was absolutely huge merger um, and affected a lot more lives than this. And it was no problem. And and in this regard, I mean, it's a question of like guarantees and all right. Yeah, I see FTC's point. Look what they did with Bethesda. Well, there, Bethesda wasn't challenged for monopolistic reasons that they made it exclusive, wasn't up for debate. It's come up with Activision. So statements are made about like timed non-exclusivity, basically, right. of a decade. Is that sufficient or not? Is something I think that's probably worth discussing for them. But yeah, there, there are other things too. Like why is it okay to be focused on the console side of things? What and versus acknowledging, well, Microsoft lets everything come out on PC also. Sony will make PC people wait a year on their expenses. at least. Yeah. So wh- why is that okay? And it's, it's probably not, but that's just how it is. It's just how it, I don't know. My my sole reason, besides having to own an Xbox, so I like them to ha- want them, I want the console to do better than 16% because. I don't like that Square so flippantly just agrees to these deals because Square is one of my favorite companies historically too. And I'm just not playing Final Fantasies because I don't spend hundreds of dollars to buy a console to play one video game. And so that's why I don't do it. But it irks me that it's not available because I could have made that decision if Sony owned Final Fantasy. That would be a deciding factor on, well, okay, do I get a PS6 or an Xbox Series X2 or whatever the stupid name Microsoft is going to come up with. Yeah, because they always have a dumb name. Like I'm able to weigh, do I want Halo or God of War? You know, I that I know going in. I expect third party stuff to not be a factor. So I understand why people are upset who are like all in on the Call of Duty bros and they went PlayStation. But mm-hmm. Call of Duty yep. is their most important thing. Totally understand that. Granted, it's not an issue this generation if a 10 year agreement comes into play. Microsoft, right. I read, is predicting the next console generation will probably drop 2028. And I assume Sony will probably do it around the same time because they likely. almost always align within 12 months. I just, yeah, and, and I agree. I just find it interesting that most of the arguments I'm hearing are basically like, this isn't fair when Xbox does it. Yes, and I I agree. And I think that's part of the reason I, 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 I kind of want it, besides me owning, <clears throat> happening to own an Xbox, is because when it comes to console video games, Sony wields undue influence in my view and that this takes away some of their power because some major uh, ips are now in the stable of another company i think it it opens the door to some interesting discussions yes microsoft might try and just walt garden the whole thing but i also think we've seen with you can point to bethesda but you can just as easily point to minecraft and say when something's already broadly successful there's a lot of money to be made by not going exclusive Mm -hmm. and and maybe that means there could be some tr- horse trading. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, what if Microsoft says, you know what? After our 10 years, hey, Sony, we're going to let you have Call of Duty for another 10 years on the condition that you don't enter into an exclusivity agreement with Square on anything. Or you need to let us have something of yours, like right. God of War. We'll give you Call of Duty for God of War. And we'll let you have Forza while we're at it in exchange for, I don't know what else Sony has. Uh, uh, Horizon. Right. We need some tall grass hiding games in our system too. I and I think that's the kind of horse trading that would be good in the long run. Because uh, right now Microsoft have got nothing to horse trade. No, they they Halo's don't. crap. It's fallen into shadow and flame, like a Balrog pulled it into the pits of despair. 
Yeah, I just think now it would be hilarious if the deal is shot down and they walk away from the deal and then just out of spite, they go the PlayStation route and just bribe Activision to I've wondered make Call of Duty console exclusive immediately, to Xbox, basically immediately. Yeah. I've wondered. I would. I, that that's one of those super super petty things that I would also laugh about for a long mm. time. In some ways, that might even be better, though, from our from my perspective, because then it's like it's getting at the flaw of the system. So there's some added, like, right? Maybe we'll see some good reforms out of out of it that would benefit everyone. I bet I, I don't know. I doubt it's it'll happen. It'd be, it, it's the bride still interesting. Have, the bride, the bride would have to be uh, too tall, too, too, high. too, too high. Yeah. Uh, and just one last Microsoft thing: they are uh, increasing cost of the Series X and Game Pass subscriptions. Uh, so that's the game pass subscription increase is not a surprise. It's been a few years since they've upped it. Since they've upped it. And, and with all of the exclusives that are like day one launches Mm. coming, I still ain't buying it. I know you're not. I also have rules about streaming services. You have rules. You have all sorts of weird rules that may or may not make sense. Real gamers have weird rules. They don't just throw money at everything to solve their questions of deciding things yeah i i live my gaming frugal <laughs> i analyze i i worry about every dollar that's how that's how you're able to move into the other collections yes you, you can have collections as a hobby because that's your right. video games suffer that's right i you say have to make the choice i built up enough you high v gas choice. card card points i say four dollars and one cent on my gas fuel up yesterday you know you what that, that's you gotta make the hard choices that's gonna help buy a pinball that, that that's exit that that yep. that four dollars that's how i spend. sacrifice that, that's what you do sometimes it you is. gotta do you gotta give blood give give, give plasma I, for the- I haven't sold plasma i haven't resulted to that <laughs> so um twitch has made has, has released some new labels uh for their mature content uh they're not actually changing their rules they're just getting uh a more granular labeling system so that instead of just labeling everything as mature content, you can put it down. It's like, Oh, Hey, this has excessive tobacco use or drugs, or this has sexual themes, or this is violent, uh, or this has a lot of profanity in it, or this has gambling in it, stuff like that. So it, it doesn't change anything. Mm. They're just letting you get more granular with the labels. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good. Um, they've added hype chat, which is basically YouTube super chat where somebody's, pays you money during a live and then their their chat comment sticks to the top of chat for a little while and and is highlighted and all that um it is you can the 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 streamers can set a minimum for a super chat the highest minimum you can set for or for not i'm sorry a hype chat for the highest or the lowest minimum the highest minimum you can set is $100. Uh, but you cannot turn hype chat off. You have to accept it. If somebody gives you more money than the minimum, you have to accept their hype chat. What's the minimum? The minimum can be as low as a dollar. Okay. You the, they get to set they can set the minimum between uh, between a dollar See, I don't and know dollars. I haven't looked in on my YouTube <sighs> settings if you can set ranges. I because I wanted to think on YouTube the lowest minimum is two dollars US, I thought. I'm yeah. not sure. Maybe it's lower. Maybe that was a suggestion. I I've done a couple to test out. 
You should see if you can send more than 100 to my channel as a test. As soon as you give me more than 100 to send to your channel as a test. <sighs> well, that's why we need more. Patreon.com slash Eclectic Gamers Podcast support. It's all about I've got to be frugal to save up for my next switch uh, that uh, will then be repurposed by someone else purchase thing game box system that i'll ignore because i just end up playing computer all the time see that's what happens to save the money and on twitch they also uh introduced a partner plus so they finally are offering 70 oh. percent revenue split that's what everyone's wanted yes unfortunately what they're only offering it to people who get 350 or more reoccurring paid subscriptions per month for three months. That gets you that revenue split for a year. Okay. Gift subs and prime subs don't count. Oh, that's going to be so hard to meet then. It's almost impossible. A ton of the subs are prime subs. In fact, I was getting some drops for Overwatch 2, actually, and I was like, oh, wait, I haven't used my prime sub in like eight months, and I gave it to some streamer that I was watching just to get, you know, I wasn't really even watching, right. quite frankly. But I was like, I was when I looked at the chat and you'd see subs come in, most of the time they're primes. And gifts would, of course, I get that. I get that one because that's a way where basically the channel owner essentially could just gift subs to and pay the money to try and get to the higher revenue split. Right. Uh, they might think it makes logical sense. I don't think it would. But I don't think they'd make enough money but, to make up for it. No. But wow. I mean, hardly anyone is going to yeah. get has 350 recurring to like, I don't think any, I'm not even going to say think. I, I bet you if you combined all of the pinball streamers together, you wouldn't have 350 non-prime, non-gift subs a month right. on all of them. And that was a thing I saw. Someone did the kind of math breakdown of that. It's basically a very narrow, sweet spot between the streamers that are so big they have their own special one-on-one -on -one deals with mm -hmm. Twitch and the normal streamers. This, this will form a very narrow little wedge of the pie right at the top of the people who are on the cusp of becoming so big that Twitch cuts special one-on-one -on -one deals with them. So, so this probably doesn't really cost Twitch much of anything. No, because it's not going to affect very many <laughs> yeah. people. Once you remove uh, Prime and, and, and Gift subs. No, it, that's so smart of them, though, to pull Prime. Everyone's going to get excited and they're going to see that in them. I bet a lot of them don't even necessarily even think just how. It does say in the chat when someone says, it says them they sub them with Prime. And it's like, yep. it's... It's so much of it. It's so much. It, it is. It is. The and and honestly, in a lot of ways, I know I have seen far more prime subs and people gifting subs than I do any than I do anything else because uh, a couple of the streamers I follow, it is not uncommon to have a person gift anywhere from ten to a hundred subs in a stream, and normally that all comes from one person. So uh, it's just. It's insane to me. Um, I, I was in a smaller streamers uh, thing one day, and there's only like ten of us in there, and there was there was like one like prime subscribed guy in there, I guess, and he gifted enough subs to gift everybody that was in chat at that time, which, like I said, was like nine other people, but but it was just one of those things. But none of those would count towards that guy, right? I mean, to be fair, he didn't have enough subscribers right, right, right. that it would have mattered I, I for it. him. But, um, and to finish it out, we're going to talk about E3, which was canceled this year and everyone was very sad. Yeah. Nobody was sad. Nobody no one cared. really cared. 
uh, reports are coming out uh, that E3 2024 and E3 2025 are already canceled. Mm. Uh, now, the ESA that runs E3 um, has said that no final decisions have been made about E3 2024 and beyond, uh, and that this is not, this is just a rumor. Okay. But these rumors are coming from the report that was kicked out by the Los Angeles City Tourism Department stating that the conventions had been canceled to basically free and the, basically free up the space, the space is available yeah. for rebook rebooking. Okay. So, um, which one do you believe? Do you believe the people who have the space and say, no, no, I think this is one of those where the ESA is saying no final decisions have been made about 2024 and beyond. Uh, but they have canceled the space booking probably because they have to do it now or else it's going to cost mm. them money. This isn't COVID where they get right. to have the national emergency argument to protect their monies. I don't, I don't know how they, uh, they bring E3 back. I think it's, I don't done. think it's possible. I, I just don't see it. I think they're having trouble letting go. And I understand that, but I don't think there's a, a reasonable path at this point. The, the problem, uh, fundamentally comes down to, They'd have to have something that would convince the developers to want to come back. And I think they're all doing so well with their standalone, far more affordable events that there's absolutely no point. Yeah. It, between all of those and then Summer Game Fest. Yeah. I just, there, there's I no way. I just don't get it. I don't think it's going to happen. Interesting, though. So uh, I just like that they, they, they're like, no, no, this hasn't been decided. It's like, Yes, it has. If the convention center's for rent again on your on your 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 held dates, it might not be canceled, but you might be back to having it in the convention center attached to the double tree in 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 one mm-hmm. of the small yeah. suburbs. <laughs> so, but that's it. That is it. That is all of the video games. That is all of the pinball. That we is actually, all of us. We actually had a pretty meaty episode. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash eclectic gamers podcast. You can also email us eclectic gamers podcast at gmail.com. And you can go to facebook.com slash eclectic gamers podcast. When I post this episode on Facebook, if you have a Facebook account, maybe go in the comment section since we're not going to share emails and you all can discuss Mario RPG and also give your thoughts on tears of the kingdom. So Glenn has a place if he has access to Facebook to go and look and maybe see someone that actually cares. I, I will say the memes the Tears of the Kingdom memes, the 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 America music playing as all these f- flying jet things fly over and just bomb everything on the screen cracks me up every time. Not as much as the swole lifters like we yes. talked last, oh last episode, but oh my gosh! Oh uh, come on, you you appreciated the swole Pikachu? That was great. I've been Tony. <laughs> I'm Dennis. <laughs> <laughs>